2020, am I right? It's been, a, it's been quite, the, quite the year, hasn't it? And, uh, and, and I, I know that there have been some big things recently that have happened that kind of cloud our perception of 2020. Um, but I want to take us back a little bit to, to some of the other things that have, that have happened that, that, you know, maybe have not ended up being as consequential as some of the things that have been recently. Um, anybody remember Murder Hornets? Yeah, that was good times, right? Good, good times. Uh, toilet paper shortages. Uh, it seems like we just narrowly escaped one of those again recently. Um, do you guys remember back in April when the Pentagon released video of UFOs? Like, that was something that just kind of got swept away, didn't it? Um, Tiger King was this year. Uh, the Polish military actually accidentally invaded the Czech Republic. I, I hadn't even heard about this until last night, and then I did some reading on it. Uh, they actually, uh, you know, drove across the border, set up a camp, and then the, the, the two governments got together. They're like, hey, you guys can't be here. And, and so they went back, and there was no incident or anything. Uh, but they accidentally invaded the Czech Republic. Uh, 2020. Uh, that's all you can say, really. Um, Ireland ruled that Subway bread is not actual bread. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Ireland said, no, Subway, there's too much sugar in your bread for it to be called bread, so we're calling it something else. So apparently Subway bread isn't even real bread. And just on Friday, we all were shocked and dismayed to learn Baby Yoda's real name. Um, well, some of us were, anyway. Some of us like it, but... Uh, if, if 2020 has been too much for you, if 2020 has, has gotten you down and, and you've been going through some things that, you know, either, either personally or, you know, across the, across the country and, and professionally and all of those things, um, the Ireland Board of Tourism put together a, a fantastic campaign that I want you guys to, to all know about. Um, but I didn't write the website down. So you're going to have to just type in Ireland Scream into Google, and it will pop up, I promise. Um, but you can actually go onto the Ireland Board of Tourism, I'm not Ireland, Iceland, Board of Tourism website, and they, they have a, a link there where you can click a button. They will record your scream, and then they will play it in one of their picturesque locations around Iceland. And so they've got these speakers set up, and you can actually, your scream can be played out into the wilderness. If you're just so frustrated, you've got so much pent-up energy and aggression from 2020, log onto that website and, and give a scream. I was going to do it, but by the time I remembered, my kids were in bed last night, and uh, I, I didn't want... Yeah, I thought about going outside, but then all the neighbors would have looked at me weird. And, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a very 2020 thing to do. But uh, anyway, I, I decided not to. Um, but if you guys do it, make sure and let me know how it goes. Seems like it would be very cathartic, right? Okay. So here's the thing about the book of Philippians, and the reason that, that I wanted to go through this book is because Paul wrote this book in a very difficult circumstance. Paul actually wrote this book while he was sitting in a Roman jail, and like we're going to find out in, in a couple of minutes, Paul wrote this not knowing what the end of his story was going to be. Now when we, when we look back, we can, we can see that uh, although the Bible isn't specifically clear, uh, he probably made it out of this imprisonment. He probably traveled to a few other places and then ended back up in Rome uh, where he was later, you know, at the end of his life, he was, he was beheaded, he was martyred for the cause of Christ. 
But in this situation, he's under house arrest, he's in prison, he cannot, he is not free to go about and do what he wants to do. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but in a lot of ways, 2020 has felt like a prison right? 2020 has felt like this thing that you just can't escape from. You don't know what the end of the story is going to be. You don't know how things are going to work out. And yet, in the midst of an imprisonment, in the midst of this pain and and this confusion and this heartache, God has something to say to us. And, And as you read the book of Philippians, there's this theme that pops up over and over and over again, and it's this word joy, or a lot of times he'll use the word rejoice. In fact, the word rejoice comes up 10 times in just four chapters, and joy, the the word joy pops up seven times in four chapters. And so it's obvious as you read through the book of Philippians that this is, uh, uh, above anything else, what he's trying to communicate to the people in Philippi is, hey, you think that I'm going through something hard, and I am, but I can still have joy in the midst of my circumstance. I can still have joy in my situation. The theologian Karl Barth has a great statement about joy that that I wanted to read to you guys. He says, joy in the book of Philippians is a defiant nevertheless that Paul sets like a full stop against the Philippians' anxiety. So the Philippians were worried about him. They were concerned for his well-being. They were sending him money in order to help him. And, uh, and they're, they're anxious to know, to hear from him. That's why the book of Philippians was written. They're anxious to hear from him what's going on. And he says, he says joy, that, that this theme of joy that runs through the book of Philippians is a defiant nevertheless you know, I know that things are bad. I know that things are, are worrisome. I know that I'm in prison. I know that I don't know what's going to happen yet, what's going to happen yet, what's going to happen next. Nevertheless, I can still have joy. Nevertheless, I know that God is going to take care of me. Nevertheless, I know that God's got something better for me. And so joy becomes this defiant nevertheless that Paul sets as a full stop against the Philippians' anxiety. I just love that quote. This joy is not based on circumstances. And so over the next few minutes, we're going to see how the perspective of joy can help us persevere when we focus on God's peace and on God's provision. And so if you hear, if you hear nothing else from the entire message, this is what I want you to take away. That this perspective of joy can help you to persevere as long as you're focused on God's peace and God's provision. Amen. So there was a, a farmer who, and we're going to get to Philippians in just a second, I promise. Now we've got 20 minutes left, but I, I promise we'll, we'll get through it. Uh, there was a farmer, though, who began to look at his farm through critical eyes. Everywhere he looked, he saw something that was wrong. So he decided to sell his farm and to move somewhere else. And so he contacted a realtor who came out, and he, he, they were looking at the property together. The next day, the realtor called the farmer to get, an, to get his approval for an ad that he was going to run in the newspaper. The ad described the farm as being in a good location with a m- well-maintained house, sturdy barns, lush pasture, a beautiful pond, fertile soil, and a great view. The farmer listened intently and then asked the, the realtor to read it again. After he heard the realtor's description of the farm a second time, he told him, he's like, he's like wait, hold on, don't run that. I've, I've always wanted to live in a place just like what you're describing right now. Um, and, and so his, his new perspective, seeing things through the eyes of a realtor instead of through his own eyes, at, uh, enabled him to see what was happening 
right in front of him the whole time. He got, he got a new perspective, and it allowed him to clearly see what was happening in front of him the whole time. And so our first point this morning is that God-given perspective helps me to see clearly. Or God-given perspective helps us to see clearly. And we want to look at Philippians chapter 1 now. And uh, I'm going to read this to you guys. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So he says, he says, I want you to know that, that the situation that I'm in right now is actually being used by God in order to advance the gospel. And then if we skip down to verse 21, this is one of the craziest verses in the entire Bible. He says, he says this, he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he explains himself in verses 22 and going forward. If I am to go on living in the body, he says, this will mean fruitful labor to me. So if I, if I continue on, on, on earth, if I continue living, then, then I know that, that God is going to allow me to do some great things. If I, he says, if I, continue, if I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. Now this stumped me when I was back in college. Like, how does he get to choose what's happening? Um, but I think he's choosing his attitude in this moment. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, he says, I know that, that I'm, I'm juggling these two different perspectives right now. And I know that I could leave and I could be with Jesus and that's going to be better for me. But if I stay, I'm going to have more fruitful work ahead of me and I know that that's going to be better for you. And so he says, he says I'm, I'm juggling these two things. And, and what we get here is this kind of holy indifference, holy being H-O-L-Y, holy indifference to the problem that he was facing. The problem that he was facing is he was in jail and scheduled for execution, or at least he was, you know, the, the, the end result might have been execution for him. And, and he's facing this possibility that, for, you know, he says, I could die from this circumstance. And yet he has this holy indifference to what's going on, saying, I don't know whether I'm going to live or I'm going to die, but honestly, they're both good options. They, they both serve the cause of Christ. They both, they both work out for my benefit. Either I can continue here, I can do more fruitful things, I, I can be a blessing to more people, or I get to go and be with Jesus. And, uh, and so he gets this, this indifference that is, um, it's, it's, this, it's, it's an indifference, but it's this unshakable faith in a God who's working behind the scenes. That I know that God is going to, that God is going to do something. I know that God is going to, to, turn about, to turn this situation around. I'm reminded of the, the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel who were, were facing down King Nebuchadnezzar and, and he says, you know, bow down and worship me or I'm going to throw you in the fire. And they, they look back at him and they say, um, you know, I, I believe that God can save me, but even if he doesn't, 
We're not going to bow down and worship you. You know, and there was this, again, this like holy indifference to, to what was going to happen. I, I know that God can save me. I know that God has the ability to save me. But if he doesn't, then I'm good with that too. If he chooses not to, then I'm good with that too. And, uh, and, and I think as we read through the book of Philippians, we're going to see how he gets to this point. But our first point, God-given perspective helps us to see clearly. There's a story told of, uh, that was told by the, uh, Fred Craddock, uh, who told the story about a missionary family in China who were forced to leave the country sometime after the communists took over. One day, a band of soldiers came up and knocked on their door. And they gathered the family together, and they said, you've got, uh, I believe you have a day to, you have a day to get your stuff together, and then you're being shipped out of the country, and you can only take 200 pounds worth of things with you. So this is it. This is your, this is your guidelines. You, you are only allowed to take 200 pounds, then we're going to load you on a train, and we're going to send you out of the country. And so they, they started going around their house. And they're looking and they find a, a vase. And the, the vase was like, a, a, you know, passed down from their mother. This is really valuable to us. We're going to take this. And they, they find a, a brand new typewriter that they had just gotten. Well, we don't want to leave this behind. So we're going to take this with us. So they, they go through their house and they piece all of these things together. And they've got clothes and they've got all of this different stuff, mem- you know, memories and, and things like that from, from their time in in China, and they put it all together, and they get it all bundled up. They weigh it, and it's 200 pounds exactly. So, um, they, yeah, so it's 200 pounds on the dot. When the soldiers returned, they asked, are you ready? Yes, they answered. Did you weigh your stuff? Yes, we did. 200 pounds? Yes, 200 pounds on the dot. Did you weigh the kids? Uh, No. Weigh the kids? What do you mean? And in an instant, the vase and the typewriter and the books and all of the other stuff became garbage. In, in an instant, all of that stuff was worthless compared to the surpassing, uh, the surpassing value of their children. Sometimes these things happen in our life in a shocking way that instantly brings clarity to, to what we're going through. And Paul wrote something similar to the church in Philippi. So not only does God-given uh, I'm sorry, not only does God-given perspective help me to see clearly, but God-given perseverance helps me to overcome my obstacles. In, in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to turn over there now, and he says, he says this, he says, verse, verse 7, and continuing on, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Again, remember, this, this couple, you know, had to give up all of their stuff, but they had something better in their kids. I consider all of it, uh, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom, whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained this or am already or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want my life to count. I want my life, when I look back at the end of my life, when I look back in eternity, I want to know that my life has meant something, that I've, that I've done something in, in my life. And, uh, and, and here's Paul saying, I've given all of that up. I've given all of those things that I once thought were worth to me. And if you guys, again, have a chance to go back and read Philippians uh, later on, you'll see earlier in that chapter, he lists all of these great things that he's done. All of these things that he's accomplished in life. He says, but all of those things, I consider them worthless that I might gain Christ. And this, this leads to, again, that holy indifference that we were talking about and the defiance of joy that we can have in our circumstances. Jesus laid hold of us so that we could be more like him, so that we could, so that we could uh, have a relationship with him again. He knows that, that our best life, the best thing for us, is to have a relationship with him. And so he laid hold of us in order that we might have that. He says, Paul says in, uh, in verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God is calling us for a, a reason. God is calling us for a purpose. And when we begin to see through God's eyes, when we begin to see through God's perspective, it leads to perseverance. And that perseverance helps us to overcome obstacles. One of the things that, that I constantly go back to in my life is, is there are certain landmarks, there are certain times in my life where I've seen God move, where I've seen something happen. And, uh, and I remember um, the, uh, the, the housing bubble that happened, you know, 2007, 2008, in there when the housing market crashed. And a lot of you guys were deeply affected by that. Um, God, God had spoken to Tiffany and I. Um, we, we were actually uh, leaving the, the church that we were at. And, uh, and so we, uh, or no, I'm sorry, this was before we left that church. We had a house in Stanwood. We were living in Oakville. We had a house in Stanwood that we were renting out. And, uh, and God, God spoke to us. One of the renters moved out. We prayed about it. God spoke to us. It's time to sell the house. And we listed the house on the market. Now, it was, back then, it was 240000 which was a, a good amount for a house. By the time we sold it, we ended up selling it for two thirteen. And it was because it was right as the market was beginning to, beginning to collapse. And we look back on that moment now and we say, man, God really spared us. God really saved us from something that was going to happen. And, and God, God took care of us. And if God took care of us back then, I can trust that God is taking care of me now. And if, if God took care of me back in, uh, back in, in college, you know, and, and God, God was there with me in those prayer times that we had and, and when I was laying hands on people and, you know, we were seeing people getting healed and things like that. If God was with me back then, then I know God is with me now. And if God was with me in Mexico when, uh, when we didn't, you know, we were... Uh, 
looking at this family that, that, is, that, is, that is broken. They, they live, they're living on $5 a week. And, and we're looking at this family, and, and we do what we can to scrape together some resources for them, buy them like $200 worth of food. And, uh, and, and as, as we're praying for them, and my heart is just breaking, and, and my heart is, is so, so hurting for, for what is, is happening to this family. And I say, if God was with me in that pain, I know that God can be with me now. And so over and over and over again, I've seen through my life, I've seen how God has come through in the, in the good times, and I've seen how God has come through in the bad times, and I've seen how sometimes God has rescued me in a situation. I've seen how God, sometimes God has not rescued me, and yet all of these things lead to this holy indifference that I can have, this, this idea that, that God is going to take care of me, whether it works out for what I feel like is my benefit or whether it, it works out for, for my loss. I can feel and I can have confidence and know that God is going to take care of me during this time. And, and I hope that, that you guys are beginning to get a picture now, and I hope that you guys are thinking about some of the circumstances, some of the things that you're going through, because I know that 2020 has been hard on us, and I know that all of us have had issues and things pop up, and yet I want to encourage you guys this morning that, that if you begin to see through God's eyes, if you begin to see through God's perspective, he can help you overcome the obstacles, and sometimes overcoming might not look the way you think, but God is going to be with you. God is going to walk with you through it. God is going to continue to carry you through the storms of life. God-given God -given, uh, God perspective helps me to see clearly. God-given perseverance helps me to overcome obstacles. God-given peace helps me to stand firm. God-given peace helps me to stand firm. In Philippians chapter 4, he says this, and, and this, is, this is where we uh, start, to, start to build some, some momentum which means I needed another drink of water. Um, this, is where, this is where it really starts to, 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 to narrow down. We've talked about you know, having God's perspective. We talked about having, having God's perseverance. Um, but now we're going to look at how we get peace. And, and this is, you guys have probably heard this before, this verse before. If you've been in church for, for any length of time, you've heard somebody preach on this. Um, but... But it's, it's, again, astounding, and it never fails to, to blow my mind that Paul writes this from prison, that Paul writes this knowing, I don't know what's going to happen in life, and yet he can have this confidence in God that, that God is going to carry him through. He says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, whatever you're going through. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, in all circumstances, in everything that's happening around you. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord and be kind to other people. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, don't be anxious for anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, with, with praise and thanksgiving, take your requests to God. In everything, with thanksgiving, pray. And... Uh, and this is, this is one of those things that as we begin to see 
through God's eyes, as we begin to see through God's perspective, we begin to see all of the things that God has for us. We begin to see all of the different ways that God is working in our situation. We begin to see how God is transforming things for our good and for our benefit. And so we begin to, we begin to look back, but we can also look ahead and say, with thanksgiving, I'm going to believe that, that God is going to continue to carry me forward. With, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to God. And then it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This was another one of those things that that God really spoke to me when I was in college. And, And God really showed me how the peace of God can become my guard. How the peace of God can guard my heart. How the peace of God can can put a, a protection over me. Not that you don't feel things anymore. But again, I go back to this idea of a holy indifference. I just, I, I love that phrase, but it's, it's that peace, and, and really it's that joy that we experience in God. As we, as we trust God, we know that God has things under control. We know that God is doing a work in us. We can have peace, and we can have joy in those situations. And when we have peace, then that God-given peace helps me to stand firm. So that we can say, along with the Apostle Paul, whether I live or die, I know that it's going to be for my benefit. So what does this mean for us? So how do we, how do we practically manifest, how, do, how does this, this teaching then practically manifest itself in our day-to-day lives? How, how do we go from, okay, I, I understand, Jeff, what you're saying. I understand the concept that you're, that you're putting through here. But in practice, it's really hard, right? In practice, this is a difficult thing to do. In practice, it doesn't make sense to rejoice when you're going through hard times. It doesn't make sense to have peace when it feels like the world is crashing down around you. It doesn't make sense to have joy in the middle of 2020. Or like, we're at the end now. I don't want to claim being in the middle anymore. We are at the end of 2020 now, praise the Lord. Um, and it does, but it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense to say, I'm going to have peace, I'm going to have joy in, in the midst of all of these things. So how does this manifest itself for us? Well, now we get to the end of the book of Philippians. This is Paul's closing thoughts this, in this letter that he's writing to the church in Philippi. And he, he wraps things up this way. We're going to start in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Again, there's this, there's this thing here where, well, well, we'll see it in just a second. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I think we could all probably say this verse together. Let's, let's put it up on the screen, Andrew. Ready? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. One more time. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Man, what a, what a powerful perspective. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Who gives me strength. That I can rely on him. When, when things are tough, when there's no toilet paper, when, when, when it, it seems like, you know, it seems like the, the world is falling down around you, I, I can do all things through him because he gives me strength. 
If we keep reading, though, Paul is going to explain a little bit more of what this strength means to him. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, now again, this, this speaks to the anxiety, the, the compassion that they had for him, and the concern to know what was going on. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So they have this relationship, right? This partnership where, where they are much like, much like our our church, Wenatchee First Assembly, supports missionaries that, that, are, that are all around the world right now that are ministering the gospel, that, that our, our influence here isn't limited to just what happens here. In the same way, he's telling the church in Philippi, your influence is, is you know, what you're, what you're giving is going to support the, the work of the ministry. He says, not that I desire your gifts. Again, he was in need, but, but he didn't desire the, the gift that they were sending. He says, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So when we realize that God is in control of everything, we can look, look at a bad situation and we can begin to find the good in it. And when we're not so, and, and when we find the good in a situation, okay, when we see through God's eyes, when we see this perspective, when we've got this peace, when we've got this joy working in our lives, then, when, then it, it enables us to not be so bound up in fear, so worried, so, so, so uh, anxious that, that we, begin to, we begin to hoard not just our, our financial resources, but, but we begin to hoard love and we begin to hoard compassion and we begin to, to hang on to all of these things. I don't want to open myself up because I don't I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, um, you know, put myself out there for fear of being rejected. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, to give because I'm afraid that I won't have enough next month. Whatever the issue is, whatever the thing that you're dealing with, when we begin to see through God's perspective, we begin to realize that, that because God is supplying our needs, that, that God is going to do a, a work through us. Paul gives an example of money, but this applies to relationships, to work situations, to holiday stress, to COVID, and, and, also, you know, and many, many more things. Uh, and here's, here's what I want to wrap up on. I'm going to have the, the worship team go ahead and join me out on stage now. But here's, here's the, the thought that I want to close with. And uh, I, I heard this the other day, and, and I, I, I'm blanking right now. I can't remember if it was Lisa Turkers or Beth Moore, uh, but I was listening to, I listened to both of them speak recently, so I don't, I don't remember which one of them said this, but I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, but one of them said, my pain is not pointless. And I was like, man, that just wraps up everything that God has been speaking to me wraps it up in one nice, tidy bow. My pain is not pointless. The things that I'm going through in life, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you are going through, your pain is not pointless, but it said God wants to use your situations in order to further his glory. Just like all the way back at the beginning of this book, we saw Paul talking to the church in Philippi, and Paul said to them that, that, that the, the things that have happened to me have been used by God in order to advance the gospel 
Your pain is not pointless. The things that you are going through are not pointless. God wants to use you to, to, to bring, bring freedom. God wants to use you to speak joy and to peace. God wants to use you to set an example of how to go through pain. Whatever you are going through today, I want you to know that your pain is not pointless. God is going to use it for your good. God is going to use it for your good. And so whatever you're going through today, know that God has got a plan for you. God is doing something in you. Whatever your situation, wherever you find yourself today, whatever schoolwork you're, you're struggling with, whatever things have come against you, know that your pain is not pointless. God is going to use it for your good. And he's gonna use it for the good of those around you. Our God-given perspective helps us to persevere when we focus on God's peace and on God's provision. Like the roots of a tree during a drought have to go down deeper in order to find water. That's what God is doing for you in this season. That's what God is doing for you during this time of your life. Your roots are going down deeper. And the next time you go through a problem, the next time you go through a trial, God is going to use those things. God is going to use those situations in order, to, in order to, to make you even stronger so that you can provide more fruit, so that you can do more for the kingdom, so that the gospel can be, be advanced through your life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. In this room or those watching online, maybe you don't know about the peace and the joy that God has for you. Maybe, maybe you've walked away from God for a time. Maybe, maybe you haven't experienced that, that love that God has. Maybe you've never been apart. Maybe, maybe you were sent this link for some, you know, by, by a friend of yours and, and you just happened to be watching this message. Or maybe you were invited here in person. But if, if that's you and you want the peace and the joy that comes through having a relationship with Christ, I want to pray for you today. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, if you're watching us online, there's a, a button that you can click. And uh, fill out that form and somebody will, will get back to you. We want to walk with you through this journey that you're on. If you're watching us in person, or if you're here with us in person, uh, or even if you're watching online, I just want you to, to place your hand over your heart. If you're wanting to accept Jesus into your heart, and I want to pray for you right now. The, the prayer doesn't mean anything. But what matters is that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says then we will be saved. And so if you want to accept this, this peace that God has for you into your heart, let's just, uh, let's just pray this together right now. Why don't you guys that here that are in person go ahead and repeat after me. Pray, Father God, I know that I've messed up. I'm going through a lot. And I need the peace and the joy that you have for me. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Please forgive my sins and bring me into a relationship with you. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you're going through a hard time today, again, maybe you're watching live online, maybe you're watching 
three months from now. If you're going through a hard time right now, I believe that God wants to speak to you. And I believe that God wants to encourage you through this message. And so I wanna, in, in closing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you guys. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, Pastor Jerry's gonna come up and he's gonna close the, the service today. But I, I wanna pray for you. If you're going through a hard time, again, your pain is not pointless. The things that you're going through, God is working out for his good. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you're in a good place right now, I wanna encourage you, find a way to be a blessing to somebody else. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for what you've done today. Lord, we thank you for the words that have been spoken, God. Lord, we thank you that, that our God-given perspective helps us to persevere when we focus on your peace and on your provision. God, I pray for those that are going through a rough time right now. God, I pray that you would fill them with your peace. I pray that that peace would become a guard for their heart, God. And, and Lord, I pray that they would get to the point where they can truly say that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so whatever happens to me in this life, whatever situation I go through, I know that I'm gonna continue to live for Christ until, until you bring us heavenward in Christ Jesus. God, we just pray right now, Lord, for those that are, that are feeling strong, that are feeling good. We pray that you would help them, God. Give them the, uh, the ability to wrap their arms around somebody in need. And God, I pray for Wenatchee First Assembly today. Lord, those that are in person and those that are watching online, this body of believers that you have assembled. God, I pray that you would, that you would strengthen them. God, that you would give them a, a new confidence, a new, a new hope for the future. And God, I pray that, that Lord, you would walk with them. Uh, God, through everything that life throws at them. God, I pray that, that Lord, you would, you would use them. God, you would use this church as a light to this community. And God, I pray that they would see people saved. God, I pray that they would see people, uh, that they would see people's lives transformed for your glory. God, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.